What is systems biology? How does presenting at a conference make one decide to pursue becoming a doctor? What's it like to have a husband in the Air Force and trying to match his order options with medical school applications? How does learning how to learn apply to non-traditional students? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Kristen, a second year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I got a great guest today, first year, Kristen. How are you doing? I am doing I, I'm doing great, thank right. you. Fantastic. All right, let's start in the beginning. All right. Um where along your path did you decide to go to medical school? Well, I always, um, I was one of those kids, I think, that always wanted to be a doctor. Um, growing up, I love superhero movies, and a lot of superhero origin stories involve, you know, science and medicine, so I really liked that. Um, but I kind of fell in love with engineering when I was in my undergrad, and I didn't always love memorization, so I decided I wanted to pursue engineering. I was actually planning on doing my PhD in Biomedical engineering. And this is back in Ohio, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was, you're in Case Western. <laughs> Case right. Western, yep. Okay. Um, doing systems biology, which is a really cool program, which is kind of inter- interdisciplinary between biology and computer science and math. And I decided I just wanted to go kind of more the engineering route. I kind of fell into this um, opportunity, though, that I couldn't pass up, which was um, taking a job at, at Microsoft as a technical program manager which I really loved. So uh, that was a great opportunity. So did like, cause I remember in my undergrad days that they would have like, like these like job fairs. And so was there like, did like Microsoft have a booth? And is that, I mean, how did yeah. you get in, hooked into Microsoft? Cause like, they don't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they have a big presence in Ohio. No, okay. no, <laughs> no, no offices in Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> Though Cleveland's great. And, you right. know, Microsoft wants to go to Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> no, they, um, I actually had already gotten into a PhD program that I really liked. Okay. Um, and, Microsoft, though, um, they had a booth at the career fair, and they had water bottles. I really wanted a water bottle. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I wound up, uh, you know, giving a resume and um, did an interview. And if you, get, if you do well in the interview, they actually send you out to Seattle. I'd never been to Seattle. Really? So yeah. I was like, oh, free trip to Seattle. And that kind of turned into a job that, that I really, really loved. So I got really... Um, it sounds weird to say lucky, but I got really lucky. It was a, it was a great opportunity for me at the time and moved out to Seattle and... It just gave me an opportunity to kind of live as an adult. Is the Microsoft campus kind of like I have this like like image in my mind where like there's like free smoothie bars and like <laughs> there's these little pods you sleep in and anything you want they just do because you got to really focus and like is that the, an accurate description? People go masseuses everywhere. <laughs> uh, I I never I, I did not see any masseuses okay. when I was there. Um, they did have a an 100 flavors of pop machine that was really great. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and like you know coffee and just um, they had like beverages and stuff. They did have great parties. So mm-hmm. uh, whenever we would like launch a product, they would have amazing launch parties. But um, it's just one of those places where also the people that you work with are really great. So there's just this like exciting atmosphere there because everyone's just really excited to be there and do great things and Seattle's it's just a cool, a cool city. oh seattle's amazing yeah <laughs> so so you're working at microsoft and then were they also were you also going to school with your phd or how, how did that work out no i actually um i declined the, the phd program after i got the offer at microsoft oh, okay. um i was continuing to work at, on my master's thesis so that's kind of a long long story as well but um i kind of started with the bsms program doing my master's in systems and control engineering 
Um, but I tried to work on that part-time while working, which actually, um, for anyone listening out there, that's not a great plan. I mm-hmm. would just, if you're going to do something, just do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll be much faster and cheaper to just get it done. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yes. All right. So you're working at Microsoft, um, you know, cutting edge of technology. You probably had really great, you know, I, I bet your Excel spreadsheet skills and your Microsoft Word <laughs> skills and Outlook skills are just amazing. So you're kind of plugging along. And then mm-hmm. what was the next kind of pivot point or decision point? Yeah. Um, well, I had been dating this fantastic guy for some time. Um, we were engaged and I decided that the commute between Seattle and Texas where he lived was getting a bit too long for me. So um, my husband or my now husband is a, uh, a pilot in the Air Force. So he was stationed down in Texas and I decided to try to find something that was a little bit more flexible that would allow me to do the things that I really enjoyed doing. So do something that was like really intellectually stimulating and challenging and just um, in, like career, I guess, fulfilling in a career kind of sense. Um, so I found a position in big data that allowed me to do consulting and moved down to uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, which is the next stop on that journey. <laughs> so how long were you in Seattle for? Uh, I think about a year and a half to two years, somewhere okay. in there. And then did you meet your future husband back in Ohio? Or? Yeah, we actually interned together back at uh, NASA Glenn Research Center in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay. He's from Cleveland, too. <laughs> okay, fantastic. Go Cavs, right? Yeah. Oh, oh love the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So he, he's Air Force. He's flying, um, you know. Jets and all sorts of weapons, <laughs> like so, sorts of planes. Uh, and so he's down in Texas. And so how long were you, so you're saddled for how long? Uh, so a year and a half to two years, somewhere okay. there. And then you make the jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, help people understand, where is Wichita Falls, Texas? <laughs> so I like to say, you know, sometimes it's, there's not a lot around Wichita Falls. So I would say it's about halfway between Oklahoma City and Dallas. Okay. So it's kind of, there's not a lot. Prairies. Yeah, ranches, prairies. Prairies and ranches. Cows. Um, yeah. Really, really good steaks. If you like steak, go to Wichita Falls. You will get the best steak of your life. Mm-hmm. It, it's great. All right. <laughs> so you set up shop in Wichita Falls and you do big data consulting. So for those of people who don't know, what's big data? What does that mean? So um, basically anything that anytime you interact with, um, you know, a retailer or something that has an online presence, um, Pretty much anything you can think of will have a digital touch point. So if you make a phone call, if you send a text message, if you're at the supermarket and you give them your phone number so that they can use your rewards points, those are all touch points. Those are all being collected by companies. And companies have all this information, but they're not always sure quite what to do with it because they have different goals. Maybe they want to retain customers or maybe they want to sell you more stuff. Um, or sometimes maybe they just want to make a better experience. Maybe they have a website and they want to see, hey, how can people use this website better so that they're not, you know, banging their head against a wall trying to, mm-hmm. you know, buy something on our on our site. So uh, they would hire people like me to come in and say, hey, you can use these mathematical methods to kind of figure out where people are getting stuck. How can we can, you know, how can we improve your process? Um, you know, how can we understand the results of this, this clinical trial or uh, kind of things like that? It's really broad, but it was a great experience because you get to use these kind of cutting edge mathematical methods on problems that are super interdisciplinary. So, mm-hmm. um, for example, I did some work at a financial company, um, understanding kind of networks, um, like personal networks. And then you can use that same kind of network theory in like a hospital system to understand like how people move between providers. Mm. So it's really interesting to kind of take techniques from like one field and move it to another field where it can be applied. But basically big data is just big, big, big data that you have to um, kind of use sophisticated techniques to understand. And you have to be able to use technologies that can like scale Mm -hmm. to actually process all of that. So it sounds like it can be something as mundane because I've, I've, I've read a little bit about this, is that, um, you know, when you go into, I'm just going to pick on Amazon, when you go into Amazon, 
there's like a reason why the buttons are where they are because mm-hmm. it is shown that like people are more likely to click on the button if it's like at that point on the screen, right? Oh yeah. Or it can be as like more higher up, like you know, how do we drive traffic here? Kind of like you said. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, am I kind of conceptualizing that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Actually, one example that I, I can talk about. So most of my stuff is NDA, so I can't go into too much detail. Non-disclosure. Um, non-disclosure. Sorry, okay. no, non-disclosure. You're just, you're so, I love it. Like I feel like I'm, I'm in the know. I love this stuff. Okay. Um, but one I can't talk about. I presented at a conference, and they wanted to know how they could reduce the time to go see a provider. So they mm-hmm. had people coming in and they just wanted to give patients a better experience and figure out, you know, where are the bottlenecks here? If, I, if I'm coming into the system and I need to go see a specialist, um, what, what's taking so long to go see a specialist? How can we reduce those wait times? Like are there particular areas um, where people are getting stuck? So we used this um, type of graph model. So a graph is basically, um, you know, you have certain wow sorry i didn't realize how much i relied on like drawing stuff usually i'm like drawing stuff it's okay this all our listeners have really active <laughs> imaginations oh, so great. you're doing a great job yeah. <laughs> um, well you know you, th- you can think about each appointment as being like a a point on a map right so you start out um and i'm starting out with my uh, general practitioner my general practitioner is going to refer me to get an x-ray and that person you know they're um from there, they're also going to refer me to go see like an orthopedic surgeon. And from there, I'm going to go and I'm going to have this path where I might pick up pharmaceuticals. There are going to be like various stops on this like journey, right? So each mm-hmm. of each particular event, if I fall and I break my leg, that's going to start like one particular path along this map. If I uh, fall and break my arm, I'm very unlucky, but I'm going to start in a different place on that map and I'm going to kind of navigate this system. And you can kind of superimpose all of those paths to find patterns. So what are the places with the highest traffic, right? So you might imagine... Um, like general practice to the pharmacy might be yeah. a very, you know, very common path or general, uh, general practice to, um, you know, getting x-rays. That might be a very common path as well. Um, so we kind of want to understand how people were moving through the system and also how that varied for different age groups and for different, you know, regions. So just taking different slices of the population and saying, how are people using these services? How are they moving through? And how is that, um, what's the interplay between that and like what their wait times are, right? Because you think, um, people might get stuck in certain points, maybe bottlenecks. So if your general practitioner is only referring to like one particular orthopedic surgeon, that person's going to be way too busy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might want to have more orthopedic surgeons in that particular area, that sort of thing. So um, that's kind of how we, yeah, so, system is. So it's like, almost like tracking the data in a correct mm-hmm. manner. So yeah. with all, you know, here, here's a great question I, I've thought about. So, you know, as you've interacted with different companies, different entities, organizations, you have all this data. Would you get sometimes people just pushing back? Like they just didn't believe the data? Like you do all this analysis and then they just don't believe it? Um, I would say sometimes people can be surprised by things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, see, what, what's kind of hard is you don't want to go in with too many assumptions about what you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've ever had anyone say, like, no, there's no way that can be true. But I think a healthy degree of skepticism is always a good thing because it forces you to kind of evaluate and stay like, oh, am I really doing this the right way? Am I really, you know, is everything right? Is my code right? Because sometimes you you make a mistake and then, you know, Mm -hmm. if something is wrong and you look back and you're like, oh, you know, actually, I definitely should have like added here when I subtracted or something like that. Um, Because I think I see powerful corollaries in medicine because I think sometimes doctors and patients are confronted with pretty strong evidence that either a treatment works or medication works. But because of emotion or anecdotal past history, they kind of push back against it. And so, oh, yeah. I don't know if you've ever thought about it like that. Oh, yeah. Actually, that's um, something that I really – I'm actually really glad you brought that up because I've, we, we have um, you know, an evidence-based medicine kind of section um, in, in our curriculum. And what I've kind of been thinking about a lot is 
choosing the right numbers to describe a situation. So something um, that's really important is averages, mm-hmm. right? So everyone's like, oh, well, what's my like average chance of you know surviving this? Averages are not actually like a great. At least I found that averages aren't great for actually giving you information because, um, you know, if we talk about like people making appointments, some people are going to be really on it. They're going to make their appointments right away. Um, and then some people might just forget. They might put it on their calendar or maybe they feel better. They don't want to make that appointment again. So your average time might be somewhere in the middle when really you have this like bimodal distribution. You have like, you know, peak in, you know, for these people who are like really overachievers, you have this peak of people who kind of fall off the end. Um, but the average doesn't really tell you that much. So it's all really more about like distributions and even their probabilities don't always help your understanding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard because um, when people do take numbers really personally, it only helps if you're in that number, right? If only, you know, 0.001% of the population gets hit by a bus, you know, you're pretty safe, right? But if you're that person who's hit by a bus, that that was not a very helpful number for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> it makes it real. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's just the hard thing, right, is it's um, law of large numbers, especially in medicine. You see these weird conditions come up that we, or we learn about, not these weird conditions, I guess that's not very nice, but mm-hmm. you, you hear about these really unusual conditions, and you're like, wow, that's like really, really unlucky. But there are a lot of people in the world, which means that there will be some unlucky people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just the hard thing about probabilities that, you know, you try to use these as like guidelines. How should I make my decisions? But without knowing what population you're in, mm-hmm. you know, which you have no way of knowing, it's yeah, it's I, tough. I, I agree <laughs> with you. I don't think I don't think doctors are really that great at math. And I, I don't know if you've seen that already with evidence based medicine. Uh, but with your background, you should be like, yeah, you should be like understanding. Yeah, it should be it should come a little bit easier to you than others. That's what I'm saying. So it's it's kind of a different perspective though, which mm-hmm. is which is interesting. Kind of the way that um, you look at problems from like an evidence based medicine perspective versus from like a data science perspective. It's really um, I think kind of opposite because you know for um, a lot of data science you use like really new methods. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you might use like text mining or you might use. Um, you know, graph analysis and evidence-based medicine is a lot more like, you know, we're looking at, at p-values and we're looking at, um, you know, like uh, odds ratios, mm-hmm. which I actually don't, I don't really like love odds ratios, but odds ratios are like everywhere in medicine. And um, I think that's, that's been kind of challenging in some ways because I was, um, I was really ready to kind of bring my perspective in, but I kind of have to learn what is accepted here. Mm-hmm. A different language almost. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you're... Like, were, were, was all of your consulting with healthcare kind of entities, or was that just kind of, or not really? I did some stuff with healthcare. Okay. Um, I did I did work with uh, let's see, finance, transportation, um, insurance. I did actually a bit with insurance, um, and then yeah, some with healthcare, some with like pharmaceuticals. And with that kind of like, oh yeah, I, I need to go to medical school. I mean, like, uh, walk me through that. What was going on? Yeah, so. I actually had like one particular moment um, mm-hmm. that it was like really clear that like I really started to think about it uh, seriously because it's, it's hard, you know, changing careers and saying like I have this thing and it's going really well and yeah, it's solid. Yeah, you're good. And... You're moving up the ladder. You're, yeah. you're flying around the world, <laughs> doing all this cool stuff. You're just immersed in data. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, because I, I was actually was for a pharmaceutical company. I was working for them and um, I was presenting, I think it was some sort of information on like a clinical trial and I was you know, presenting these numbers. And I think I must have been pretty blase about it, which I kind of regret now. Um, but this, uh, this clinician who was sitting in and watching these, these results, she um, just interrupted me and she's like, you know, you're presenting these, but like you don't know what these numbers mean because you don't have to sit across from someone mm. and explain these numbers to them. Like you don't have to take ownership of their care based on these numbers. Like, and I kind of, I thought about that and I was like, Oh, I was a pre-med, you know, that was kind of my first instinct. Cause I was a pre-med. I, I understand health stuff. And then I thought about it for a second longer and I was like, Oh, I have no idea. 
I have absolutely no idea. Mm. <laughs> and, she, and she was completely right. Um, you know, because some of those, you know, for me, it was numbers. It was all just, you know, these are numbers that are in this table that's sitting in some data center somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe that person is a marathon runner or has kids. Like, I don't, yeah. they weren't people to me. And I, yeah. that was kind of like a weird, um, sad realization. And mm-hmm. um, I had a conversation with my husband when we were traveling. Um, and I just kind of brought it up. I'm like, you know what? This has like been really great. You know, I've been really fortunate in my career and I've had really great people I've worked with, really amazing experiences. But I kind of feel like I want to do more. Like I want, I want to know what those numbers mean. Like I want to have that impact on people. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started looking into medical schools and applying. Um, so you're looking for so, more yeah. meaning in a way behind the numbers. I kind of, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just want to be able to do more good too, because you know, if you're good at numbers, you're good at numbers, but you can't always, you don't always know the right questions to mm-hmm. ask. Um, and I feel like that's sometimes a disconnect, right? A lot of people in medicine have great questions, but it's hard to answer the questions without the like mathematical skill set necessarily. But I had the mathematical skill set but not the questions. I didn't know what the right questions were. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wanted to like bridge that gap. And I thought that I could, um, I thought I might be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of my goals. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, it's a good goal. I, I, I really hope we get you there. Um, so you told your husband you're thinking about med school. Mm-hmm. I assume supportive. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. He's, he's amazing. Uh, my husband is absolutely amazing. And okay. I, I'll be honest, like, I don't know if I would have done it if he wouldn't have been so supportive because military, I mean, we've moved around a lot and, um, when I, even when I was applying to schools, I, I kind of kept it on the, on the down low, if you will. Um, when I was applying, cause I, every time I bring it up, people were like, Oh, but what's going to happen if you don't get into med school where he is? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I guess we'll just see what happens mm-hmm. if that happens. Um, but you know, he was really, you know, great because it's a big, it's a decision you have to make. If you're, if you're married, you have to make that decision as a couple. Like, Hey, um, you know, I have this job and I'm going to not be having income for a while, or I'm going to have a really busy schedule for a while. It's going to put a little bit more on you. Um, for some time and yeah, I just feel really fortunate there. Yeah. So it was very supportive. Was your work supportive or, were you, or did you kind of yeah. tell them at the very end or? Oh, my work, um, my, my management and uh, my whole team really like really great. I, I can't like overstate how lucky I was, um, to have well, that. Come back and people. work for us after you get your MD. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were, they were really amazing. Like I, they actually let me do, um, a short educational leave. So I was able to do some of my post back, um, credits. Cause I didn't, I didn't do all my prerequisites or I didn't have I all the prerequisites. That. Yeah. Wichita Falls Community College <laughs> or something, right? I had, let's see, um, Western state. I had yeah. Kansas state. I yeah. have, um, Australia mountain, uh, down in Arizona. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember when your yeah. transcript came in, like, Oh, this is an impressive <laughs> array of places. Yeah, well, because, you know, every time we moved, I had to find, you know, there was one I did online. There was, you know, Mm -hmm. just everything, you know, just you just do when you can. Mm -hmm. Um, My my management was really supportive. Um, I was able to take time and do some shadowing and study for the MCAT. Um, And I think the hardest thing there was just being a non-traditional student, kind of figuring out where to start. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you if you're kind of doing the the traditional path from undergrad, you have resources that are available for you. And I I reached out and um, the the folks at uh, the pre-med advisors at both Case and uh, Midwestern State were great. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of hard when you don't have like longitudinal support. Because I was just doing like uh, the Case meetings I had to do remotely. Um, and then at Midwestern, I just wasn't there for very long. So mm-hmm. what was, what was good is I was able to say like, here's my transcript. Um, if you could just take a look and like, let me know what, what my chances are, what kind of what I need to aim for <clears throat> with my, with my MCAT or like where I'm missing things mm-hmm. in my application. So I was kind of able to get like a high level, like roadmap of where I needed to go. <clears throat> I would say the rest of my information I got through, uh, online sources. Mm-hmm. I kind of lived on the, uh, 
pre-medit, they call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know that area well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I dabble there. Every yeah. <laughs> but they, they have a lot of good information there, you know, mm-hmm. about like, you know, how to how to uh, navigate MMIs and applications and essays and things like that. Do you feel there was kind of a corner just for non-traditional students in, in a way or it was, just, um, it was just more vague, more general than that? Yeah, I would say um, it was pretty general. I did try to look. Um, <laughs> I was I was nervous, you know, because it's hard kind of being you, you feel like you're oh, you're way older than everyone or you're because um, I was out for five years. Um, you're just coming from a different place. I was actually trying to figure out like, oh, are there schools that are more non-traditional friendly, mm-hmm. um, which is just one of the challenges that I had with like figuring out where to apply. Mm-hmm. Um Okay, so let's yeah. break this down. So, <laughs> Sorry, there are a lot of pieces. <laughs> I know it's beautiful. Like it's it's life. It's complex. It's like big data. You know? Yeah. So, um, so I know that the little I remember, everyone thinks I I retain everything. Like my brain doesn't retain everything. Um, I know. Did your husband kind of go through the Air Force to kind of figure out where he was going to be for some stability, or did you kind of, or did you kind of take the lead on that? I mean, like, because I know that that was kind of the decision. I, I got the sense. Yeah. So, so it was actually kind of crazy how it how it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I I was I was actually planning on applying a year later because I was like oh, I don't have a lot of shadowing hours. Mm-hmm. I kind of like thought I needed a bit more clinical experience, um, but I decided to apply a little early. But the crazy thing about the timing is that my husband was figuring out what plane he was going to to be flying because he was an instructor pilot um, flying T sixes, and from there he had like a plane that he was going to get as like his main. I'm completely blanking out on the word for this plane. His baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> His main big plane that's very powerful and can fly yes, fast. Yes, yes the, very, the very fast one. Uh, <laughs> um, but he wasn't sure. So, I mean, because there were a few different options for what he could get. Mm-hmm. Um, and each of those options had like several locations. So we had like a list of like, here are like the 20 different places that he could go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then for, me, then for me, it was, a, you know, the next step was, okay, let me see what medical schools are around those areas. So I kind of applied, you know, um, Hill in Utah, you know, that's a big one. So mm-hmm. like I applied here, um, you know, some places in Arizona. I think I applied in the, let's see, Carolina. I have family in Ohio, so I applied in Ohio. I applied, uh, I was also a resident of Texas, so I applied to Texas, and there are a lot of Air Force bases in Texas as well. So I just kind of applied just like, I think I applied to 25 schools kind of all over the place. But the great thing is, is I actually, um, I really liked, you know, the schools that I, I applied to. So there are a lot of great programs out there. Um, and then kind of as we went through, um, as time passed, we kind of had an idea, like, I think in the summer we found out, okay, he's going to be flying, um, the F-35. And then from there, there are like, you know, the, f- the few locations, I think we had like a, some kind of general idea, but we weren't quite sure where mm-hmm. he was going to go. Um, and, and again, it's very different. I mean, I, I realized all the military branches are different, but was he, did he have a lot of voice in this? Cause I know at the end of the day, <laughs> they just kind of tell you, you will go here and you will do this. Yeah. But I assume he got to have some voice in it. So it's kind of like a ranking thing. Okay. Uh, so it's actually a lot like the match, okay. you know, so he has his, you know, his, his packet or whatever that he put in. Um, and then I think he had to like rank the planes that he wanted or like rank the location and something like that. Um, Anthony, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's been paying attention all the time. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very stressful time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, then, then from there it was like, he had to put his options and then I, I forgot about this. They actually had to, um, he had to go through like another program to figure out if he was going to be flying the F-16 or the F-35. And that was in like November, I think in November, December, somewhere around there. So mm-hmm. there were just a lot of like decision points for him as to like where he could go. So mm-hmm. for me, it was like, you know, just filling out secondaries and trying to go through the process. And then actually my, my mother passed away during secondaries Sorry and that, that was really, um, 
yeah, that, that was really tough as well. So it's like I was far away from everyone. Then my, uh, my husband was actually away doing training at the time. So it was like going back to Ohio, filling out applications, trying to figure out like where life was going. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy times. But, you know, the, I, I think I've heard uh, someone else say this on one of your your uh, podcasts before, which is that, you know, the time is going to pass no matter what happens. So, like, you know, when things happen that are like really um, hard things in your life, you just want to make sure your life is already kind of going in the direction that you want because it'll, you know. That's how the, that's how the time is is passing. Sorry, I thought this would be more eloquent, but now that I'm saying it, it's no, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. So it sounds it sounds a lot like really stressful. A lot of stuff's going on. Yeah. Um, and then I, I then I so I get the sense that your husband found out Hill Air Force Base was his destination. Yeah, and I it, forgot exactly when that was. I think it was actually um, I think it was in 2017. Is he got like the final. Okay. Um, the final thing, but what was hard is, um, you know, there was a point then where, so I'm not, I was not, uh, sorry, not, not non-traditional. I was non-traditional, but I was out of state applying to Utah and, mm-hmm. um, those stats are kind of sobering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I we think have it a was, lot of people apply from out of state. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, the, the numbers are, you know, you Going want the odds to be, in your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want the odds to be in your favor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually, it took, I didn't hear back for, from Utah for a while. So I was kind of looking at my other options, um, and kind of figuring out like, oh, you know, I really like there, there, I think there were, uh, there was really one other school that I really, really, um, was feeling strongly for. So, um, it was kind of a hard decision in the end, but I was really also glad to hear from, from Utah okay. and, I don't know. I still can't believe we pulled it off. Then my husband's here. I'm here. Um, <laughs> He's flying around the country doing stuff. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. So um, with being a non-traditional student, how has your first year gone? I mean, how would you describe it? Um, and we kind of talked before we, I turned on the podcast, but you, yeah. you said something I thought was fascinating. You're, you're, you're learning how to learn. Or you said something like Yeah. That. So, yeah. So, learning how to learn. Yeah. Um, so in engineering, um, you really don't have to memorize very much because you, it's mostly about problem solving. So you learn different ways to solve these problems and you can kind of apply these to different things. Um, but in medical school, it's a lot of memorization. So, you know, in anatomy, there is, if you do, if you forget what a structure is, there is no logic out, like you cannot logic out what that structure Mm -hmm. is. Like you can logic out maybe what it does, like, oh, okay, it's connected to this and therefore it does this. And if it's injured, then this will happen. And you can like use that kind of like process based logic. But, um, some of these things have like really bizarre names. You are not going to guess those names. You're not going to logic your way out of of historical, a lot of people in Greece and Rome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, so I think it was more just trying to, um, you know, re- like learn how to memorize, learn um, kind of like memory tricks and actually just honestly get back into the study habits, um, you know, because, you know, I was just working for a long time and I worked, you know, jobs that could be very demanding. But it's just it's different having a, a job and having like projects that you're working on with set deadlines. And then you have to do a little bit more self-starting, I think, mm-hmm. in medical school, because um, no one is going to make sure that you're doing your tasks except for you. Yeah. Um, so, uh as far as accountability goes, you kind of have to be your own accountability. Um, so for me that involves, you know, really setting like deadlines for like, okay, I'm going to, you know, watch these recordings. I'm going to watch these external resources and I'm going to kind of bring these things together. And I would say I'm still learning how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's still, um, a challenge for me sometimes because it, it is just so different. Um, and there are some things that you can apply, but, um, I would say, a lot of medicine, at least in the beginning, it seems like it's like first principles. So mm-hmm. in, you know, in engineering and physics, like you try to boil everything down to, to first principles. So is this true with like the laws of nature as we know them? Um, and then from there, kind of use that to solve your, 
your problem. And in medicine, there's a, the base knowledge that you have to have is just so much wider, Mm -hmm. so much broader. There's just a lot of memorization that you could do before you start getting into like the deep problem solving. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And going back to being non-traditional, have you found like the other students are, I, I, I would argue my, at least my perspective is that our medical school has more non-traditional students than others because people tend to be a little bit older. They've switched careers. They've had families. I mean, so, I mean, does that match with your experience? Yeah, definitely. I actually think um, Utah has turned out to be a really great fit for me, you know, from the non-traditional route, too, because I was worried about that. You know, I'm uh, coming in, you know, at least five years out of school and, you know, married and just there, there are different stages of life, I think. And I was a little bit worried. Um, the I guess you prioritize different things in some ways if, if you've been, you know, out in the world for a little while, while or um, I know, I know I settled down a bit, I think, <laughs> um, a few years out of school. Um, but yeah, I would say Utah, cause I think a lot of people here, you know, have taken, yeah, like you said, have taken time off, have taken time, um, with their families. I think Utah in general is more family oriented than a lot of places as well. Um, yeah, sorry. I'm kind of trying to figure out where I want to go. Um, I assume a lot of your peers, your friends you've made have also kind of been married and, you know, not are, you know, a little bit further out from school as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. I, I think it's actually really great because a lot of people are, um, they, they have really great stories. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's something I've really enjoyed well, hearing. Well, this story's like, pretty great. I love your story. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's kind of incredible, though. Mm-hmm. You know, we have people who have... Um, what have been really like competitive athletes and musicians and Mm -hmm. um, people have traveled all over the place. I think almost everyone in our class speaks like at least two languages. Like Mm -hmm. it's really, really incredible. I remember um, during uh, the transition to medical school, kind of like the orientation program, uh, there was a point where it was like, okay, raise your hand if you've been to at least like 10 countries or something. And like a bunch of people raise their hands and you're like, wow, this is, this is kind of amazing. (laughs) Cool. Well, Kristen, I appreciate you coming on the pod. Um, I guess the last question is what, you know, what advice would you give someone? So, I, someone's listening right now, and they're in a job that they like, but they've always kind of had that little feeling in the back of their head, like, oh, I want to go to medical school. What, what, what advice would you give that person? Uh, I would say, you know, do some introspection. Really think about um, what it is that you want to do and where you want to go, and then just make sure your decisions are in alignment with where you want to go. Because you never know, you know how much time you have or, you know, when something might happen that might completely rock your perspective. So just make sure when those things happen that your life is going in a direction that you feel comfortable with. And as long as you at any given time are comfortable with where you're going, where you are and what your motivations are for doing those things, I think you will be happy. Whether that's staying at your job, whether that's, you know, kind of embarking on a new journey, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of great options out there. So just be comfortable with what you want and try to just understand where you want to go. Fantastic. And, and last question. I'm not going to hold you to this. What kind of doctor do you want to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of like, you know, that dog from Up, the squirrel, you know, when it comes to specialties. <laughs> <laughs> so a cardiologist comes in, talks to you, you think cardiology the next day, you know, nephrologist, you switch. Yeah, I'm yeah. all over the place. I really, um, I, I really, when I first came in, I was like surgery because I had shadowed a lot in surgery and I saw this, you know, I, I shadowed a lot of plastics procedures and I just thought, mm-hmm. wow, this is like, it's like a puzzle. It's like a body puzzle, which is very cool. Um, kind of got that like spatial reasoning part of my brain really, you know, really excited. I was like, oh, this would be really cool. Um, but then, uh, hematology was really, mm-hmm. was really interesting as well. And, uh, nephrology has some really cool, um, you know, like kind of mathematical things that you have to understand and gosh, uh, there are just a lot of great options. So I don't know, you'll have to see, you'll have to see. I, I think it'll probably still be sur- some kind of surgical area, but 
time time will tell time will tell yeah. cool well thanks Kristen. appreciate you coming on thank you Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.